If we haven't met before, my name is Scott, one of the pastors here, and on behalf of the church family, we are so glad you're here. I was praying you'd come. So you're an answer to prayer, just showing up. Few things, this is a weekend that the church around the globe celebrates the outpouring of the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost. On Wednesday, we will be, we're continuing a study through 1 Corinthians chapter 12. We're coming to the 12th chapter, which is a chapter about the gifts, the nine gifts of the Holy Spirit. So I'll be teaching on that if you have some interest in it. And if you like in-depth Bible study and chapter by chapter, verse by verse study, that's a great service to be a part of, full worship experience, full Bible teaching. And then if you have any questions uh, about uh, the gifts of the Spirit, uh, about the nine gifts especially that we're going to go over, you can just email those questions in or text those questions in, and I'll be happy to involve your questions, answering your questions, as part of the study, which will be this Wednesday. Today we are continuing our study on uh, never giving up. We're going to talk about pleasing God. Um, we began our study last week with a definition so we would know what we mean when we say the word faith. I don't think that anyone here, myself included, could claim to totally understand faith. It's one of those words, concepts you could examine infinitely, like love. I don't think anybody in this room knows the full definition of love or even hope. These are eternal words. But the definition that we looked at last week came out of Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 1. And you can download that message. It's foundational to this series if you haven't got it yet. It says that faith is the substance, the Greek word hypostasis, of things that are hoped for. Hope being the vision that God is calling us towards and the evidence, the way we live our lives in light of that substance, that hypostasis and that hope. So we said it like this, that faith is a God-given conviction, not just a belief, a conviction deep in your soul that you, you hold on to, not just that you believe that chair will hold you, but you chose to sit down in it. You were convinced it would work for you, and you acted on it. It's the hope that you have that God is calling you towards. Faith is always future-moving, it celebrates where you are, but just to let you know, there's so much more for you. Mm, I'll try that again. There's so much more for you. And I heard that sneeze. God bless you. Or maybe that was an amen in another language. I don't know, maybe. And then this definition of Hebrews 11.1 1 then has a long list of people, men and women, who live their lives by faith. And the commonality that we're pointing out in this series is that they chose to never give up. And I promise you that if you never give up on your walk of faith, you are guaranteed to win. So just help me a little bit. Just nudge your neighbor and just say, never give up. Go ahead, tell them, never, never give up, never give up. And the character that we're coming to in this list of characters is the character of Abel. Abel was in the first book of the Bible, and he's mentioned again here in uh, this passage. It says that Abel uh, gave an offering to God. It was an excellent offering in contrast, get this, in contrast to his brother. Cain was the older brother, and amazing, he 
kind of failed in this passage. Usually the oldest does really well. Once again, God is pulling a fast one on us. Abel offered a pleasing offering towards God. And because of that, he was called righteous. And because of that, even though he has died years ago, we're still talking about him today. So Abel lived a life of faith. Now let me just show you a few um, family truths that come out of Genesis. We're going to do a background um, foundation before we come back to this scripture. But Genesis teaches us a lot of things. Uh, one of the things it teaches us, and as we move towards Father's Day, this is a good thing to remember, that you can be a perfect parent. And there's no one in this room that gets into that category, but you could be. There's one perfect parent in the Bible. He's in Genesis. He's God the Father. He had two children, and they both rebelled. Just get that. Now, the other truth is this. You can come out of a mess of a family and still walk by faith. That's Abel's story. So Abel could have said, I'm giving up. I'm throwing in the towel. My family is a mess. My mother talks with snakes. My father messed up the whole human race. I'm giving up. My family is a mess. But get this, he didn't give up. He came out as a man of faith, even though his family was messed up. So just get that. I'm just saying that to you. Never give up, no matter what your family background is. Learn that from Abel. Abel, um, here's the background creation story. You may know it. God created humanity out of the dust of the earth. He leaned over and he breathed his life into humanity, which is a beautiful thought on the weekend that we're celebrating around the world today, Pentecost Sunday. God is still breathing his breath, and wherever his breath is breathed, there is tremendous life. In fact, all of us should have this prayer in our soul somewhere, Lord, breathe your life in a fresh way into me today. Mm, come on, just give me a little amen. Help me out a little bit, just a little bit. So he breathed into humanity, and we became alive, and he had this beautiful relationship, which is what he wanted. He created us for relationship with Adam and Eve, and he walked, and he, he was the best friend they ever had. And they spent this time, and he created, he created a garden with everything in it they could ever need, every supply, every food source, trees. And he said, there's one tree, just one tree, that's in the midst of the garden called the, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, and I don't want you to touch that tree. So he provided everything in abundance, and one tree they weren't supposed to touch, but they touched it. They ate from that tree, and they ran and they hid from God because of that. So they, um, tree of knowledge of good and evil... They ate from it. Their eyes were opened, and they knew that they were naked all of a sudden. And they ran and get this. They covered themselves. And what did they get this? Because this is very important to understand the Hebrews passage. They covered themselves with what? They sewed together fig trees, leaves, which must be a little bit of a miracle. I don't, how do you sew fig leaves? I'm not exactly sure how that works, but they attack. Just get this truth. 
they cover themselves with vegetation. Everybody say vegetation. That's very important to understand the lesson in Hebrews. They cover themselves with vegetation. They then hid from God because their disobedience affected relationships. This is what sin does. It affects your relationship with God, throws it out of whack. It throws out your relationship with everyone else. So they cover themselves from each other. They'd never done that before. They hid from God. God comes looking for them, and he says, why are you hiding? And they said, we were afraid. And so we ran and we hid. And then so God speaks to Adam. And you know what Adam did? Blamed Eve. It's been going on for a long time, ladies. Way back to Genesis. <laughs> no, that what he says. He literally said, that woman. That woman you gave me. And then what did Eve do? She blamed the serpent. And then God brings this truth to us. We are individually responsible for our own actions and our own attitudes. We don't get to blame other people. And then God speaks to the serpent. He speaks to Adam. And he speaks to Eve. I just want to put this verse in here because it's the first time the Bible prophesies that there is going to come into humanity a, what the Bible calls the seed of woman, which is an interesting phrase when you consider the virgin birth. The seed of woman was coming, and he is going to bruise the head of the adversary. So he's prophesying, there is coming a seed that's going to come out of a woman, and there's enmity between humanity and the kingdom of darkness, but there is coming one who will conquer the adversary. He is going to bruise your head. Then, after he finishes that prophecy, he turns and he does something that was better than they did. They covered themselves with what? With, get that, vegetation. God knew that wasn't good enough. And that's very important to understand the Hebrews passage. God covered them with the life of an animal. He covered them with the skins of an animal. So God sacrificed life to cover their death. It's a very important principle. God sacrificed a life to cover or to atone for their death. Now you have to understand that so that you can figure out when... Abel is giving an animal sacrifice, and Cain is giving a vegetable sacrifice, why that even matters to God. So get that very clear in your mind. The vegetable covering wasn't enough. They needed to be covered with the life of an animal that would cover the death of their separation from God. So when we come to the story then, uh, in the process of time, sometime in the future, uh, they, they're bringing offerings to God. They knew to do that because God had given some kind of instruction, bring your offerings, keep that relationship open with me, don't just totally cut it off. They brought their offerings to God, and Cain brought an, op an offering of what? Vegetation or fruit, exactly. He brought a, a, an offering of vegetation or fruit, and Abel brought a, an offering of life. He gave a life, he sacrificed a life, the firstborn of his flock, and the Lord respected, accepted, smiled on Abel's offering, but he didn't respect, he didn't accept Cain's offering, and Cain was very angry, and his countenance fell. 
So now what's the reason? Does this prove that God is not a vegetarian? No, I'm not going there, but I am telling you this. God had already laid down a pattern. Life covers death. Vegetation doesn't cover death. Life, and he's thinking ahead in his master plan that there would come that one who he said would come, the seed of a woman that would bruise the head of darkness by giving his life for our death on the cross. And that's why it's important that we understand what's going on with Cain and, and a life gift and, and Abel, a vegetation gift, and why God is saying this one is good and this one is not good, so that we can understand. He even gives, he even gives Cain the opportunity to change. He speaks to him and says, uh, why are you so angry? Why is your countenance so down? Look at verse 7. If, he's given him an opportunity, if, You'll do well if you'll change the way you're doing things, if you'll change from your vegetation to a life give, if you will do well, then it will be accepted. Can you see that? Cain didn't, Cain didn't want to do it that way. Cain wanted to do it his own way. In fact, he wrote a song. I did it. My way. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you. I'll be here all week. I'll be here all week. That was his song. And God said, no, no, no. If you would turn from doing it your way and do it my way, then it would be acceptable. Because God wanted him to do it God's way. He wanted his life to be acceptable. But he got angry. He remained in his rebellion, that anger festered, that bitterness festered, and eventually what did he do? He took his own brother's life. But it roots back, that murderous act roots back to, I'm not going to do it your way, God, I'm going to do it my way. So Hebrews says, now this is important for all of us to learn, because you have a choice today. You can do life my way, or you can do life his way. That's the choice. And that's a faith choice. That conviction that you hold in your heart, that vision that you maintain in your life, and the actions you choose are either doing it his way or God's way. In fact, in Hebrews, after it talks about Cain and Abel, uh, a few words later, it says, faith is important. It's the only thing that really pleases God. And that's what we're talking about. Abel pleased God. Cain did not. Faith pleases God. Anyone who comes to God has to believe that God exists and that he is the rewarder of those who seek him. Let me just tell you the greatest reward that God has for you is not land, property, cars, stocks, or bonds. The greatest reward God has for you is a relationship with you. It's the biggest rela- that's the biggest reward. That, what, wasn't that the original intent? He created humanity so he could have relationship with them. And then he sees in Abel a continued relationship, because that's what faith does. Faith brings us to a continued relationship. And in Hebrews chapter 11, when we come to this verse, there are three things about faith that really please God. I'm sure there's a lot more, but there's three in the verse we're looking at. Things that, or reasons that God is pleased when we walk by faith and we don't give up because our parents were messed up. 
I'm just going to say this out loud. Stop blaming your parents. I don't care if your mother talked to snakes or did weird stuff. I don't care if your dad messed up the whole human race. You as a daughter living in this house or you as a son listening to this message, you can choose to live a life of faith. And it will please God. Now here's what pleases uh, God about this. First thing we want to talk about is that faith pleases God because it makes God the very center of our souls. It puts God in the, in the place in our lives that he's able to do the most good. God does the most healing, the most rewarding, the most blessing when he is in the center of our very existence. And that's why when Abel brought the sacrifice to God, doing it God's way, God was so pleased because he was saying, God, I am doing this the way you have revealed. I'm not making up my own way. And God was thinking long term. He was thinking of the covering of life that would be given on Calvary's cross. When Abel gave that sacrifice in the book of Genesis, did he have any understanding or Probably none, but maybe just a, he didn't. He didn't understand God's big game plan, did he? <laughs> when you when you live by faith, you don't have to understand all God's game plan. All you have to understand is this is the truth I'm living by right now. When he brought that sacrifice, he didn't understand Calvary. He didn't understand the divine Son of God would come and give his life for our death on the cross and that we would receive him out of eternal life. He didn't understand any of that. He just knew God had shown a pattern. He shed a life to cover their death. And he said, God, I'm going to worship you the way you want to be worshipped. I'm not going to make up my own plans. That puts God at the very center. And isn't that how his parents lived before the rebellion? God was at the very center of Adam's life. God was at the very center of Eve's life. He would come and he would walk with them every day and they would talk together. He was the central voice in their life. They listened to God. They learned from God until another voice came into that circle, the serpent. And the serpent said, no, 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 give me your attention. I know God has been central, but listen, I've got a story to tell you. Listen to my story. Did God really mean what he said? Does God really have your best intentions? Maybe God is trying to keep you from something. God is trying to keep you from becoming gods. Which if you track back all sin, it all tracks back to we want to be Lord instead of letting him be Lord. That was the original lie. And he moved into the center of their attention, and he grabbed their attention. And then the tree became the center of their attention. And then the fruit of the tree became the center of their attention. And they took their eyes off God, and they allowed other things to become central. And because of that, because God was knocked out of centrality, that's how they ended up in rebellion. And you know how that happens? Would you like to know? Somehow, their love for God diminished. Have you ever seen two people really in love? When, when I'm talking, just pretend I'm talking to you. Have you ever seen two people really in love? Here's how it goes. Hey, what do you want to do tonight? I don't care. Whatever you want. Right? What do you want to do? No, what do you want to do? What do you want? What do you, what do you, no, I, I don't care. 
whatever you want. Because when you really are in love, that person holds center stage. So here's what happened. Before the snake appeared, God held center stage, and all of a sudden they didn't care. No, God, what? And this was the problem between Cain and Abel. It didn't matter what God thought. It didn't even matter when God called him to change his way. He said, it doesn't matter. I'm going to do things my way because you're not the central voice in my life. But when we really love God, we, we approach our days this way. Hey, what do you want to do today? God, what do you want to do? God, you got up this, God what do you want to do today? I'm, I'm glad he told you to come to church and you came. I'm sure, that, I'm sure that part of his desire is for you to worship with other believers. I think that's a good thing. So you come into a new week. What do you want to do this week? It's not, it's not God, here's my plan. Here's what I've got planned. Here's all my plans. Sprinkle your blessing on it. Shh. It's God, what do you want to do this week? God, what do you want to do today? You are central in my life, God, and I know that when I allow you to be central in my life, that pleases you and that brings the blessing of God in my life. No wonder when Jesus called people to follow him, what, did, what were the words he used? Follow me, which means stop going your way and start going my way. That is the center of a life of faith. Jesus, what are you doing? That's what I want. Even in this church. We, we don't get to make up our plans and ask God to bless them. We have to, we have to be diligently seeking God. God, what do you want to do here? God, what do you want to do with the family of hope? God, what do you want to accomplish in our generation? God, what do you want to do in our communities? God, what, what, are, you, what are your plans so that you are central and we're simply following you? Because that's where God smiles. And he says, that's acceptable. The second thing we see in Hebrews is this. We see that Abel was brought into a right relationship. It's noted that his offering brought him the witness that he was righteous. And you'll find when you study faith, there is a, a correlation between faith, godly faith, and righteousness. In fact, there's a huge difference between uh, self-righteousness and faith righteousness. They're, they're a contrast to each other. Uh, Self-righteousness says, look at what I have accomplished. I did it my way, and it was good enough for God. Or I thought it was good enough for God. Faith righteousness says, God, I'm going to follow your plan. I don't even understand it all, but I'm going to follow it. Uh, and I'm going to make sure, because I'm following your plans, you get all the credit for it. And it's not me patting myself on the back saying, wow, what a good boy am I. I'm so right, and you're so wrong. Self-righteousness puts other people down. Self-righteousness gives you the ability to look down on others. That's what religion does. I'm so religious. I'm so religiously right. That doesn't, God doesn't smile on that, though. God doesn't smile when you're religiously right and you're able to look down on others who are religiously wrong. When you understand that your righteousness is a gift from God that only comes to you because of faith, you don't look down on other people. You actually say, hey, I've got some good news for you. You can't earn it, you can't deserve it, but God will give it to you. If you walk by faith, you get to be right. And the reason you get to be right is so that you can have relationship. That's the reason for righteousness. Not so that you would feel better than others or be better than others, morally superior, ethically superior. It's so that you can have friendship with God. He puts you on a right standing with him so you can be God's friend. 
you're right. How did I get to be right? You did it God's way. You, you gave it, you did it his way. And he elevated you. And even when you blow it, like Cain blew it, God gives you a chance. He says, Cain, Cain, I'm not into vegetables. I'm really into the principle that life covers death. And I'm going to give you a chance to come my way. And he gives it to all of us. There's good news. If you've blown, if this last week has been a terrible week, if this last month has been a terrible month, or if you've never been around before, we just want you to hear clearly, your relationship with God is not earned. It's not deserved. It simply is when you walk by faith and say, God, I'm going to follow your way of living. And he says, oh, that's so good. I'm going to put you into right standing so we can have a relationship. And he offers that to every single person here today. If you've blown it this last week, he says, come on, you can turn around. You can come back into right relationship with God, and I can smile on your life. That's what he did with Abel. All Abel did was bring the right kind of offering. I don't think he even understood all of the ramifications. He was just following God, and God says, right. You did it right. The third thing is this. It is important to God that you walk by faith because God would like your life to count beyond this generation. God has some people coming after us. He has placed us. It's not a surprise to God that you are in this generation. You're here on purpose. You're living at this time, in this year. This is your year to be here. And you're in this generation so you can influence this generation. But Jesus wants the influence of your life to leave a legacy for generations that are yet to come. And he says about Abel, Abel's faith was so beautiful and so powerful that even though he died, he's still speaking to us. Here's my, my question. When you are gone and someday you're going to be, there's a cheery thought. It's good. The death rate is still running. 100%. And someday... What will your life be saying when you're gone? What is the legacy you are leaving? Those who walk by faith pass on the most important legacy on the planet. They pass on the legacy of faith. My grandma is dead, but she's still speaking. Our family was far away from God, and somebody told Clara about Jesus, and I'm so glad they did. Because she started a relationship with God through Jesus Christ. She became a woman of faith. She walked by faith as best she could, as best she knew. She walked by faith, and she passed that faith on to Earl, my daddy. And Ellen, my aunt, she had two children. She passed on that gift of faith, even though her husband didn't walk with her in faith. She passed on. I don't really know. I, I don't, maybe my dad could tell me. I don't think I got much of an inheritance from my grandmother that I can remember. But there's way more, guys, there's way more than passing on property and houses and a CD and a bank account. There's something much more important that you pass on, and that is your faith. So I may not got much in the will, but I got a lot of his will. 
That's, that's, and this is what he's saying. This is why God smiles because he says, you've got it. You're passing on the most important thing you could to the next generation. You're passing on the gift of faith. And Clara passed on the gift of faith to Earl. And Earl passed on the gift of faith to Scott and to Peter and to Rodney. In fact, he told me this morning, he said, you know, this morning, just want you to know, that you're preaching here in Sarasota. My dad preached the traditional service in Sarasota. My youngest brother preached in the Church of Hope, Corpus Christi, and my brother Peter preached in Hamilton, Ontario. So all four of us were preaching today. Where does that come from? That comes from a legacy of faith that, 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 that Clara got it and she passed it. So now we're doing our best. We're doing our best. And we're not doing it. We just want to say, hey, this is important to God. It's important. We want to pass that faith. I'm trying to, Darla and I are trying to pass that faith on to Mandy and Holly and Cherry and Jesse because maybe I'll leave them something I don't know I've said to my dad you don't have to leave me anything spend it all because he's already given me the gift of faith he's passed on a legacy when he is gone and he will be someday it's not morbid he's going to go be dead with the Lord that's not a bad thing some of us are so afraid of heaven. Oh, no, I'm going to praise heaven. And when he's gone, he's still going to be speaking. And I'm praying that when I'm gone, they'll still be speaking. Because passed on to this generation, to the next generation, the legacy of faith. That means, mom, dads, pray with your kids. Pray with them often. I was talking with a, a, a new dad recently here. He's a first-generation believer. He doesn't have a lot of history. And so I was just saying, hey, let me tell you some things that have really been a blessing. And I, I, I said some things as a parent that, that I've done to pass on faith. And I said, here's one of the most important things. I, I would pray with our kids as they would go to sleep at night. Why? Pass on faith. I wanted the last voice they heard before they drifted off into la-la land to be the voice of a beloved parent speaking blessing over them, saying you're a child of God. Jesus loves you. He, he, he has a, a purpose, a destiny for your life to speak blessing over them as they went to sleep so that we'd be passing on the gift of faith to them. So I just encourage you, especially as we come into this Father's Day weekend, to just be parents that are passing on faith. So someday when you're gone, you, God bless you if you leave houses, lands, but that stuff is minimal compared to what this is about. God smiles when we pass on our faith to the next generation. So as we are here, let us just think together about our lives and ask the Holy Spirit to reveal to us if, 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 he, if he is central. Have we allowed other voices, other distractions to creep into our lives that are saying, hey, listen to me. Hey, look at me. Look at what I have to offer. Look at what the world has to offer. And this day would be a day that we would hear God's voice saying, if you will do it well, if you'll come back to do it my way, God's way, instead of your own way, you'll make me the center part of your life. You'll live in right relationship with God. And then when you're in right, when you literally are living in right relationship with God, it leaks out to others. It passes on to new generations. And it becomes that thing that really pleases God. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. 
Faith is the one thing that pleases him. And Abel said, I don't understand it all. I'm coming. I'm giving a sacrifice because I saw you give a sacrifice. I'm going to do it in your way, God. And God was pleased with it. So as you live your life this coming week, will the people around you see the evidence of a life that is central, listening to Jesus, in right relationship with him? And would you be sharing that message of faith with the generations that are rising around you? In Jesus' name, everybody says. Let's stand together. We're going to pray. I'm going to invite our prayer team to come and prepare their hearts to pray with you and for you. On this day that the world church celebrates Pentecost, we welcome the wind of the Holy Spirit to blow into our lives in a fresh way. We welcome the most important voice in this room, and that is the, the voice of the Spirit of Almighty God. Speak to us about our, our souls. Have, have we allowed you to be central? Or have we allowed other voices to come in and distract us, other trees to grow in our garden, other fruits to be offered? And if that's the case, we want to let those things go and say, Lord, you are central in my life. When we say Jesus is Lord, we are saying, Lord, you are central. You are the central one in our lives. What do you want to do today, Lord? That's what we want to do. What do you want to do this week? That's what we want to do, Lord. What do you want to do in this church? Lord, that's what we want to do. We want you to be central. We want to celebrate a righteousness that is not earned or deserved. It simply comes because of faith. A right relationship with God that allows us to talk and to grow and to communicate and to love and to worship and to praise and to prayer and become more and more like Jesus every day. A righteousness. And then, Lord, may we be people that are passing on intentionally, with purpose, faith to rising generations. The legacy that we leave, may we leave a legacy of faith that Christ may be smiling upon us. Deliver us, deliver us, deliver us from doing it my own way. Let's do it your way. So with that in mind, we pray a prayer of surrender and a prayer of invitation to the Spirit of God to be central in our lives, for Jesus to be the Lord, the Savior of our lives. Some may pray it for the first time. Some may pray it for the first time in a long time. I'll just remind you, you don't have to earn your right standing with God. He gives it to you when you exercise your faith in Him, and that's what this prayer is. It's putting our faith in Him. So we lift our voice together. I invite you to pray with all the people in the room. Everyone, please, I pray 100% would be lifting not just these words, but the intent of these words and your heart towards the Father as we say out loud this prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, I come to you in Jesus' name. I turn away from my sins. And I leave them behind. Jesus, I want you to be the Lord, the center of my soul my heart, my life. Lead me, please. Guide me, please. And Holy Spirit, come and help me to follow Jesus every day of my life. In Jesus' name we pray. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Amen. Yes, Lord. Thank you. Yeah, it's a good prayer. We affirm that prayer.
We do. Look this way just for a moment. Our team is here to pray with you and for you. If you're getting things right with God, it's essential, just essential that you take time to say, hey, I'm getting right with God today. They'll pray with you. If you need healing, they'll pray with you. You need whatever your need is. We got, a, we got an email this last week. I haven't received prayer in the last 10 years. But I walked forward last week, and the guy who, with the motorcycle jacket that prayed for me, God showed up in that prayer. Now, if it's been 10 years, I'm telling you, you're due. It's been more than 10 days, you may be due. Receiving prayer is, a, is an act of faith. What, we come by faith. These guys don't have the answers, but we pray over your life in the name of Jesus and the power of Jesus is released and the power and the gifts of the Holy Spirit are released. So we'll just take some time to pray. This is very important to us. Also, if you'd like to receive communion, the bread and the cup of the Lord, which reminds us regularly it's about His life given for our death. There's an exchange that takes place. And we celebrate that when we take the bread and the cup when we remember Jesus. You don't have to be a member of this church to receive communion. You don't have to be a member of this church to receive prayer. Just a friend of Jesus, a follower of Jesus. Now, if you're here and you're new to hope, and you've never had the opportunity yet to stop by our VIP room, I'd love you to do that before you go. It's back on the left-hand side. We'd like to, to meet you answer any questions. Some people like a quieter place to pray. People will pray with you there if you want. I'm going to pray a prayer of blessing. And after that, there's no uh, benediction. The worship team will begin to lead us. The prayer team will begin to pray with people. The communion will be received. People will go with the grace of God. But let the Lord do His work in your life. Make sure He's central. Make sure you're not, make sure you're not doing it my way. Make sure you're doing it his way. That's what Abel speaks to us about. And so I just pray that the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ would surround you. The call of the Holy Spirit would be in your ears and in your heart. I pray that the God of hope would fill you with all joy and all peace. Peace with God, peace with the people around you, peace with the relationships you have. As you trust in God, not leaning on your own understanding, but as you trust in God, may you be filled with hope by the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit. Bless our prayer team, bless the communion, bless our hearts to your service. Lord, we want to follow you all the days of our life. May we not give up because of our bad family. <laughs> we can walk by faith. And may we not be over-guilted because we weren't a good parent. God, every generation and every person and every generation makes their choice to walk by faith. And may we follow that pattern. In Christ's name we pray. And everybody says, amen. Grace and peace to everyone. We love you so very much. Thank you for being here. And please, yeah, come forward for prayer and come forward for communion. Our worship team leads us as we direct our attention towards the Lord.